God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host The Chief Sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end-time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe, Tribe of, of Christians, Christians broadcast, broadcast, either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Sinner. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians broadcast. I am your host, the Chief Sinner. This coming May 20th, the world will be celebrating one of the church's most widely celebrated traditions known as Pentecost. What makes this year Pentecostal celebration unique and anticipating? It is not only the U.S. Embassy move to Jerusalem, but also Israel's 70th anniversary and Jerusalem's 51st year anniversary. 70 is the divine number for generation and 50 is the divine number for liberation and freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In this special broadcast, we're going to be talking about revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that has been prophesied to occur in the last days. Many evangelical leaders are speaking of dreams and visions of a coming revival. Many Christians throughout the world have also shared their dreams and visions that can be found everywhere on the internet and YouTube through a Google search. Recently, CBN posted a short video clip called A Last Day's Vision of a Tsunami Revival and How We Can Prepare for It, about various charismatic leaders at the Light the Fire conference sharing their insight on revival. Let's take a quick Listen. Many Christian leaders are predicting the greatest harvest of souls in history could soon be here. As Paul Strand reports, several thousand people have come together in Toronto. They're asking God how they can get ready to take part in this great revival and how every believer can help bring it about. If a massive harvest is on the way, how can believers get ready to do their part? Some of the most well-known charismatic leaders were just answering such questions at the location where the revival known as the Toronto Blessing started in 1994. Questions such as, what should Christians expect? Some say this next revival will be like a huge wave that washes over the whole world. Heidi Baker has helped start thousands of churches and fellowships in Mozambique and around the world. She says she's had a vision of such a wave, and she says it's a glory wave. And I saw the wave, and it's full of faces. And, it, and I thought, Lord, what is that? Are those the ones coming home or the ones going out? And I saw they were the faces of these radical lovers of God, every tribe, tongue, and nation, who were going to go to the ends of the earth carrying the glory. John Arnott headed up the church where the Toronto blessing began. He too has had a vision of a glory wave so big, he called it a tsunami in the book, Preparing for the Glory. You know, and all these little boats on the top of it, and then this wave crested and came crashing to shore. And, and it was just a sudden 
wonderful outpouring of God that was just sweeping. Some may feel that such a revival is impossible in this dark immoral age. But theology professor Michael Brown says he's studied several times in American history where the most learned men thought Christianity was dying out in the land. Everybody counted the church out, counted God out, and then awakening came. So I truly believe, as much as my mind says it's impossible, I truly believe that the greatest awakening for America, and certainly outpouring for the world, is yet ahead. Revivals are known for burning brightly, but then always burning out. Well, there are those saying that if the next one will put Jesus Christ right at the center, it never has to die. So that's a part of preparing for revival. I think we can up our prayer lives. We can reprioritize, you know, how we spend our day, how we spend our money. Um, he needs to be number one. He's our, our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Bridegroom King. We want to lift Him up and lift Him up and lift Him up. As He be lifted up, all men will be drawn to Him. Jerry Hill is the widow of Steve Hill, the evangelist at the center of the 1995 Brownsville Revival. And at one point he was going to be put on Time Magazine and he said, you know what, I think you need to put God. Get a picture of God because it's really all about Him. I am only a vessel that he fixed. She points out he preached a revival couldn't supersaturate the whole world till every believer becomes an evangelist to those around them. And when Steve and I would go out, we would talk to people about Jesus in the supermarket, in an antique store, in a restaurant. You take it out. Well, you keep your heart right, keep short accounts with people that have offended you or hurt you or whatever, and you just get rooted and grounded in the love of God and get ready for more. Have little gatherings at your, at your company. Have little gatherings at your school. Just come together and love Jesus and then shine. Don't be afraid to share your testimony. Paul Strand, CBN News, reporting from the Light the Fire Again conference in Toronto. It's in the most darkest hours where hope and light shine the absolute brightest. Is there another great revival and awakening coming again? Or has the Acts of the Apostles ended with the first early church? Now, if you have your Bible or Bible apps open, if you would please turn with me to Joel chapters 2, verses 29 through 32. It reads, In the day of the Lord, and after, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire were billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. The terms in that day or in those days or perhaps in the day of the Lord in scripture means in references the end times, the final fulfillment and completion of God's word. Before the Lord's first coming, only a very few select people have ever encountered the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon their life. It was generally reserved for certain people and to fulfill certain important purposes. God's Holy Spirit was only known to kings, prophets, and priests, and it was usually through a Jewish birthright that was passed down from certain people and tribes and families of Israel, where God's favor could still be found. 
Anytime God's Holy Spirit was poured out upon somebody in the Old Testament, it was always in the purposes of deliverance and repentance. Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samson, and Elijah all had one main thing in common when it came to the outpouring of the Spirit upon their life. It was for the purpose to deliver others through faith, obedience, and repentance. Moses led the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. Joshua led the Israelites through conquest. Gideon tore down the idol that stood before the Benjamin tribe and led the Israelites through salvation from the oppression of the Midianites. Samson delivered his people from the Philistine oppression. Elijah slayed thousands of prophets of Baal under the evil oppression of King Ahab and Jezebel, inspiring faith in thousands of Israelites. The prophet Isaiah is where America got the symbol and seal of the eagle, which is the symbol of freedom. Isaiah 40:31 says, "But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint." Isaiah was also the one in which the spirit of the Lord spoke through, saying, "The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair Historic civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. was an inspired man of faith on God's principle of salvation and freedom through Christ against oppression. Billy Graham led one of the greatest evangelical crusades across the nation in the spirit of freedom through the gospel message. There is power in love. There is power in the Lord. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there also is the message of hope, freedom, and deliverance. Now, if you ever have time to go through and read through the various heroes in the book of Judges, you're going to see that there was a pattern that was always consistent with God's people. The pattern goes something like this. It starts with the great revelation of God's mighty presence through wonders and miracles to gain the hearts and trust of his people. Then after the revelation, faith follows through obedience and repentance. The people turn from their sinful, wicked ways and put their full trust in God. Then, deliverance and salvation comes, followed by a period of peace. And then, however, over time, that glory then passes and is forgotten. And then the people go back into remission of sin and become disobedient. Then, because of their sin, sickness, illness, oppression, and evil leaders rise up over the people. Then the need for deliverance and salvation becomes present again, and the process starts all over. It is the exact same context and pattern in the New Testament. 400 years had passed since God had last spoken through his prophet Joel, and we see Israel, now oppressed by the Roman Empire, where the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are written, followed by the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus is then born among his own people. The very name of Jesus is a rendering from the name of Joshua. Joshua means God saves, and the name of Jesus means Savior. To us, 
Gentiles reading the prophetic words of Joel means something completely different than to the Hebrews or the Jewish people. Therefore, certain significant parts don't seem as significant to us as they would to the Jewish people. If you've grown up in the United States where we have tremendous freedom, then salvation and deliverance may not mean that much to you. However, if you were Jewish a couple of thousand years ago or so, where freedom didn't exist, salvation meant everything to you. This is why the early 1700s prior to the Great Revolutionary War, the Great Awakening and the Second Awakening swept across America, echoing the call to salvation, which many contribute to the inspiration of America's independence. Because in Joel chapter 2, the last verse there which states, Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God was only known to the Jewish people until the time of Jesus and the apostles came where they were sent into the Gentile nations. That promise was for the longest time only reserved to the Jewish people and of Israel. The promise of deliverance, freedom, and God's eternal presence. So, if you were Jewish and you heard the words being spoken through the prophet Joel, then you would have caught the change and the difference that God was implying. That God wasn't just going to save the nation and people of Israel, but he was also going to save any nation and any people that would call upon him. That promise of deliverance, salvation, and freedom came through Jesus to anybody who would be humble enough to accept and believe him anyone who would call upon his name. That was the great revelation that swept across the Gentile nations and was later resurfaced and inspired in the form of independency and democracy. Now, if you would please turn with me in Acts chapter 2, where the first outpouring into the Gentiles took place known as the Pentecost. Pentecost is also known as the Jewish festival Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which is celebrated seven weeks after Passover. The word Pentecost comes from the Greek word which means 50th, referring to the 50th day after the Jewish festival of unleavened bread, or Passover, which is the end of the barley harvest. Shavuot HaOmar begins the second day after Passover, which is a religious ceremony of counting of Shavuot every day until the 50th day is reached where Shavuot is celebrated. It is also traditionally celebrated the day the Torah was given on Mount Sinai. The festival is found in New Testament scriptures, Acts 2-1, 2016, and also in 1 Corinthians 16-8. It's first mentioned in Exodus 23-16 as the Feast of Harvest, and again in Exodus 34-22 as the Day of First Fruits which is also Numbers 28-26. From the 16th of the month of Nisan, which is the second day of Passover, seven complete weeks, 49 days, were to be set aside as the feast was held on the 50th day. The manner in which it was to be kept is described in Leviticus 23, verses 15-19, through 19, and also Numbers 28-27-29. through Besides the sacrifices prescribed for the occasion, everyone was to bring to the Lord his tribute of a free will offering, 
which is found in Deuteronomy 16, verses 9 through 11. The purpose of this feast was to commemorate the completion of the grain harvest. Its distinguishing feature was the offering of two leavened loaves made from the new corn of the completed harvest, which with two lambs were waved before the Lord as a thank offering. Therefore, the number 50 in the New Testament symbolically represents the giving of God's Holy Spirit. However, in the Old Testament, 50 also represents liberation and freedom from captivity and prison. The 50th year is known as the Jubilee, which is the 50th year following a cycle of seven years. On the 50th year, captives were set free, prisoners were freed, debt was forgiven, and it was a time of great celebration and of joy. This year, this May of 2018, Jerusalem is celebrating their 51st year anniversary in which Jerusalem was recaptured by Israel from the Egyptian and Jordanians during the Six-Day War of 1967. It is also Israel's 70th anniversary of their reestablishment as a nation since 1948. Now, both numbers, 70 and 50, represent a completion of a season. And interestingly, this year, in this month of May, actually, in fact, today, is also the time in which the new U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem will be ceremonially open. It is symbolically representing the ownership of Jerusalem as the undivided eternal capital of the Jewish people. Now, here in Acts chapter 2, the apostles were celebrating the Jewish Feast of the Weeks on the 50th day just after Passover, which was the time Jesus had died and was resurrected. This is also about 10 days after Jesus had ascended into heaven and gave them the Great Commission. As stated before, the number 50 also represents liberation and freedom. Now, you can't tell me that this was just a coincidence that the Lord picked this day to send his Holy Spirit to rest upon the apostles. There is absolutely no such thing as coincidences or accidents. The Lord picked the 50th day to send his Spirit to his church because just as Isaiah and the Apostle Paul said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now starting in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, we read, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They sat what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit enabled them. Now, the word enable is the key word to pay attention here. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The apostles were there listening, hearing, and speaking the word of God. So the Spirit used the instrument of the tongue to reach the other instrument of the ear of those who were listening to him. Empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes only through Christ and only through faith which comes from his words. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they said, Aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Moving down to verse 12, which reads, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? 
Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine to drink. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is very significant and very, very important. I want you to, I don't want you to miss this, so please listen carefully. Interestingly, the time in which the Spirit was poured out on the apostles was at the ninth hour, which is also known as the ninth hour of prayer. Nine is the sum of three. Three is added together. Three plus three plus three and is the symbol of the Holy Trinity. The number nine also represents the fruit of the Spirit, as there are nine fruits listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are also nine gifts of the Spirit. Paul lists seven, but many contribute to actually being nine. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, the discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. That's found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. Again, you have to ask yourself, is this a coincidence or is this a God thing? Here it is, on the 50th day, which the number 50 represents freedom and liberation, on the ninth hour of prayer, which 9 represents the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. 9 also represents the harvest, as the ninth month is in September, in the beginning of the harvest season. Did you catch that? This is extraordinarily significant, my friends. 50 represents freedom and liberation. Nine represents the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit. Nine also represents the harvest as the ninth month is September and the beginning of the harvest season. Think of the timing that we're living in and with everything that's going on with Israel and the church. It's Jewish year 5778 and Gentile year 2018. Eight is the number of covenant which is represented through circumcision. Here we are seeing prophetic fulfillment with Israel and Jerusalem. For the first time in 70 years, the United States is following through in its promise to Israel. And we are about to enter into year 2019, or Hebrew year 5779. Coincidence or accident? Or is this God signaling something incredibly significant to us? Now, going back to Acts 2, picking up in verse 15, which reads, These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what the prophet Joel spoke. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
part of that scripture has already been fulfilled. His spirit has been given and been poured out in various sections of history and time for the sake of the gospel message, just exactly as Isaiah and Jesus said, for the purposes of liberation, freedom, deliverance, and salvation, both in physical and spiritual terms. The set captives, prisoners, and anyone under oppression free. So, are the acts of the apostles dead? Has the Holy Spirit stopped being poured out on God's people? And is there anything that we can expect or anticipate in the very near future of another great revival and awakening? Now, there's a few things to consider and look at here when answering the question of, is there revival to be expected? Is there going to be another outpouring coming? In the days of the early church, it's not recorded of any kind of celestial signs that occurred other than the star that appeared on Jesus' birth, which tells us that the purposes of the outpouring of the Spirit at that time of the early church with the apostles and disciples was to spread the gospel message of Christ throughout the world, which Jesus said would happen prior to his return matthew 24 which he says the gospel will be preached to the ends of the world and then the end will come however the celestial signs with the sun and the moon didn't happen at that time which tells us that there is still more to come and much more to anticipate there have been many great undeniable signs that have actually been recently occurring along with incredible prophetic events occurring in Israel. What were those signs and what are they telling us? Just like in the past, the purpose of the outpouring of the Spirit is for the purpose of liberation and freedom. They aren't given to serve for ourselves, but rather, as Paul states, to serve one another and for edifying and building up the church for the kingdom. So there has to be the question of a cause, the conditions of oppression, evil, slavery, and the absolute need of salvation and deliverance. So first is what signs are they that have been recently occurring and secondly what are the conditions and purposes in which those signs are occurring for as i've shown you before in the other podcast from year 2017 into this year it was a jubilee year for israel for the recapturing of jerusalem and the u.s embassy which is being commemorated today known as jerusalem day You have to ask yourself this very question. Is this a coincidence or is God really doing something here? This year, 2018, is also the 70th anniversary year in the reestablishment of Israel as a nation. Again, is this a coincidence or is God doing something here? Last year, 2017, was also the 7th sabbatical year in Israel known as a Shemitah. Coincidence? Or is God doing something here? In August of 2017, there was what occurred, the Great American Eclipse, which was historically visible to the entire nation of the United States from West Coast to East Coast. An eclipse is where the moon moves in between the Earth and the Sun, causing the celestial event of an eclipse to occur in midday light for a moment in time. The Sun and the Bible symbolically always represents the gentile nations the moon symbolically always represents the nation of israel and here 
we have an event that included both the sun and the moon. Shortly, not too long afterwards, President Trump makes the announcement of the U.S. Embassy move to Jerusalem and the entire world is watching. There is also another incredible sign that occurred just after the eclipse in September, known as the Revelation 12 sign, which was where there was a significant alignment of constellations of Leo and Virgo, which mimic the Revelation 12 scriptures, which talk about a woman clothed with the sun and the moon with 12 stars above her head. The 12 stars represent both the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the new testament the woman represents both the church and israel and the sun represents the gentile nations and the moon represents israel paul tells us in romans 11 11 that the salvation of the gentiles is for the purposing of provoking israel into belief so the sign means that god is using both the church and Israel. He's using the church to inspire Israel. Now, the other part of the Revelation 12 sign has to do with the dragon or the serpent known as the devil. In the last podcast episode, I talked about that being Leviathan and the coming of the beast and the Antichrist, which is already waging war against the church. Now, the Antichrist isn't going to come until, the, until after the rapture of the church. I also talked about that two episodes ago. And also, I talked about the rise and the influx of mass shootings and violence and all the civil unrest that's happened. And the reason why God is using that evil, which is to open the minds and the hearts of people to the idea of liberation and deliverance. It's to bring humility and lead us into repentance. I also did a podcast episode on that, which is called The Rise of Evil. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and check it out. Now, there were other incredible, significant celestial events which occurred with the moon from years 2012 through 2014, which is known as the four blood moons, where the moon appeared blood red. And each blood moon fell on a very significant Jewish festival or holiday. So again, you have to ask yourself this question. Is this a coincidence or is God doing something here? Evangelists like Jonathan Kaw and John Hagee preached that the signs, the blood moons, meant a harbinger or a warning of danger, a looming threat of nations like Iran and Syria. They believed that the sign was warning us if repentance did not happen. However, many incredible events from the election of Donald Trump in 2016 to today with the embassy move lead me to believe that this wasn't just a warning, but it's the marking of a very significant event in time. In other words, God is telling us that this exact time in history right now, which we're living in today, is extremely significant and it's very important. It's preparing the way for the last and great revival and outpouring of God's Holy Spirit before the rapture of the church. The warning is only for those who don't believe, which will be left behind in the seven-year tribulation period to face the Antichrist. I want you to stop and take a moment. I want you to stop and think about everything that we've talked about. Everything that I showed you, add it all up. The number 50 
the years, the significance of the numbers 17 and 18, the number 50 of freedom and liberation, the Revelation 12 sign, the American eclipse, everything is pointing to freedom and liberation, to significance of right now. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What does God want to bring liberation and freedom to in your life? Is there a calling for you to reach the people around you? Is your heart sensitive to certain needs like homelessness or drug addiction or revealing the gospel message? This is the great purpose and reason for God's outpouring in the lives of his people. The gifts are given to serve. What needs is God showing you right now? Because now is the time. It's coming and it's upon us. It may be revealed to you and come through the miraculous event like Pentecost, or it may come as a slight whisper or a cry. It comes in many forms. But just because it doesn't happen exactly as it did for Peter, doesn't mean that there isn't a call upon your life. Look around you. Look at your family. Look at everything that's happening all around us of the needs of hurting people everywhere. There is always a calling and something to do to reach others. Love is the motivation that initiates it all. As Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is love, and love is the way to serve others. And if you don't know the Lord yet, or if you haven't made the commitment in your heart to accept him, to serve and follow him, you can do that right now with me, exactly right where you are. All you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your heart, and hold on to that conviction, the revelation, and never let it slip from your heart. You can pray this prayer with me word for word, and the Lord will hear you. Pentecost is coming. And the Lord has great plans for your life and in the lives around you. Please pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your precious son, Jesus, who died on the cross and forgave me of my sins. Thank you for your Holy Spirit for revealing your words and the truth to me. I ask that you please come into my life and help me to fulfill the plan and purposes that you have given to me. Please put people in my life that will lead me to you. Help me to recognize your will and your way so that I do not lose sight and direction that you have for me. And in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Now you can find other great teachings just like this one on our website at tribalchristians.com or find us on Facebook. Please like, subscribe, and share this message to help us get the word out. You can also send us an email or a message if you have any prayer needs, comments, or concerns. Thank you for listening. This concludes this episode's broadcast. I am the Chief Center with the Tribe of Christians, and may God continue to bless you and be with you always.